appreciate you leading us this morning. What would it be like to do something in life that will make you known by all generations to follow? Something so incredible, so spectacular, that everyone will know your name because of what you have done. Well, Michelangelo tells us what it was like to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And it would take him four years to paint one of the world's greatest feats of art. He was uh, covering 12,000 square feet of canvas. 12,000 square feet of ceiling canvas. And it would earn him international acclaim and he would be a legend in the art community forever. So when he wrote about what it was like to paint the Sistine Chapel ceiling, people were surprised to hear what he had to say. He actually wrote a tragic comic poem about it and sent it to his friend. Here's what he said. This torture hunched up here like a cat, my beard's pointing to heaven, my brain's crushed in a casket, my brush above me all the time dribbles paint, so my face makes a fine floor for droppings. My haunches are grinding into my guts. Every gesture I make is blind and aimless. My spine's all knotted from folding over itself because I'm stuck like this. My thoughts are crazy. My painting is dead. Defend it for me, my friend Giovanni. Protect my honor. I am not in the right place. I am not a painter. <laughs> the end. I love that thought, 40 feet up in the air on a scaffolding he made, four years of this. And he's like, I'm going crazy and I feel like a failure. At the beginning of the year, I think that's kind of a perfect picture of how many people feel. Like we're looking up and we want God to really make our lives something memorable that glorifies him, but our face is covered in paint and we're in a lot of pain and we're like, this just isn't working. You might feel at the beginning of the year like, man, there's a long way to go. Well, join the club. So we're intentionally pulling over the series of acts so that we spend a few weeks being intentional about starting the year strong. I think it's going to be a great year if you find your joy in the Lord, as we heard last week from Solomon, and if you really focus in on the four big commitments you can make this year. Uh, here's a picture for the two-week series we're going to do. It's called The Big Four in 2024. If you devote yourself to these four things, it doesn't matter if your back is aching and you've got pain all over your face and you feel like nothing's going right. Listen, it's going to be a masterpiece if you focus on these four things. So we're going to take two today and we'll take two next Sunday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will invite him to work in us this year. Jesus, this first time that I'm praying for a sermon this year, I just humble myself and ask that every sermon this year preached from this stage, no matter who is up here, would give you great glory. May your word not return void. Thank you that you promise it will be so. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to speak. Lord, we want you to speak to us every week. We haven't heard it all. We don't need new truths. We don't need a new God. We don't need new strange teachings. We want the word of God here every week. So bless those who preach. Bless us as we hear. 
and encourage us today as we start the year off right. We pray this, Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Okay, so there's notes in your bulletin, and we're going to be in many different places in the Bible, but you can turn to the last chapter of Matthew as we kick things off. Uh, This is a topical sermon, so that's why we're not just going through one passage. You know, we're going to go through a bunch of verses that I'll share with you, but if you turn to the end of the book of Matthew, we find the Great Commission. And, you know, our mission as a church didn't come from a few guys sitting in some tavern writing out on a napkin some great ideas one day. It's straight from the Word of God. Here is the mission statement in Matthew 28, and in verse 16, it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they, what does it say there? Worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now this great commission, which has spurred on the advance of gospel work for thousands of years, This is right where we get our main core DNA from. In the next two weeks, I'm going to cover what's called our four W's. When it comes to how you and I grow as disciples, these are the four areas that we should focus on, the big four in 2024. And you could write this down first. Worship Christ through every high and low. It all starts with a posture of praise. Write that down. Worship Christ through every high and low. The biggest question you will ever ask in your entire life is, who is Jesus? And it's the question that should consume you from the moment you wake up. Who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? Sometimes he would ask people, who who do you say I am? That is the question that will determine your year. If there's one thing that's going to determine if this is a great year or a terrible year, it's how you answer this question, who is Jesus? Are you starting the year filled with a breathtaking, glorious, majestic view of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Throughout Christmas, December, our theme was come and behold him. Did you do it? Did you get to the manger? Did you fall on your knees? Are you full of the glorious picture of your Savior? When it comes to the biggest problem in the world, maybe you remember at a sermon in the past, my preaching teacher at Moody Bible Institute told me, if you reuse an illustration in a sermon, people are going to think it's the same sermon. Listen, this is a new sermon, all right? But some of you might remember, I found a word, and this is the biggest problem on earth. Check it out. Here's the word. It could be your word of the day if you want. The word is... Phloxenos and nihilopilification. Say it with me. Phloxenos and nihilopilification. Come on, some of you aren't saying it. <laughs> Here's what it means. Phloxenos and nihilopilification, one of the longest words in the English language, is the act of estimating that something is worthless. Listen, this is the greatest problem on earth. People not 
estimating properly the worth of Jesus Christ. They take trash and they make it their treasure. And they take heaven's treasure and they make it trash. If you estimate rightly the supreme worth of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will worship him, gladly and joyfully adore him. That will fill every day this year with joy. Worship Christ through every high and low. I don't know how you're feeling right now or what season of life you're in. For some of you, it might be summer in your soul. Things are great. Wonderful end of the year. Tons to be thankful for. And, and it's just everything's working. That's great. Jesus can be your joy in the sunny days. Maybe it's fall and things are kind of, the wind is blowing. Things are changing. Things are dying. Colors, something's new is coming and you're not happy about it. Maybe it's winter and your heart is frozen. You got problems, big ones. You don't know if you're going to get through it. You don't know how you're going to get through it. And the pain, the misery, the anguish, the agony, the suffering you're in right now is unspeakable at times. Jesus can be your joy in winter. Maybe it's spring and things are changing and new things are happening and, and there's newfound joy. Praise the Lord. That best describes the season I'm in spiritually. Wherever you're at, worship Christ through every high and low. Keep coming back time and time again to the person of Jesus Christ. Check out Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. And I just want to read this passage while you reflect on who Jesus is. Colossians 1, 13 to 23. Listen to what the Word of God says about Jesus. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister." Do the glorious truths about who Jesus is and what he's done for you fill your heart with worship? The commitment to worship is the first of the big four. Worship Christ through every high and low. Jot this down. Behold the goodness and greatness of God. Behold the goodness and greatness of God. The spiritual fundamentals of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is all it takes if you think about it and focus on it 
to fill your heart with joy. Here's a picture of the greatest things of the story of Christ. He, of course, was born in a manger, in a stable, laid in a bed of hay. The king of heaven became a lowly servant. And then he died on the cross to take away all of your sins, to pay the penalty for your debt so that you can live without fear or shame or regret or disgrace. And then on the third day, he rose again. And in front of eyewitnesses, he ascended to the right hand of God Most High. He is alive. And he's king of all. That should fill your soul with joy. Worship Christ through every high and low. Have you taken time to reflect and be grateful for all that Christ is and for all that he's done on our behalf? Have you started the year by bowing down and saying, you're my king and I trust you? I like what Frederick Faber says. All our lives long we might talk of Jesus and yet we should never come to an end of the sweet things that might be said of him. Eternity will not be long enough to learn all he is or to praise him for all that he's done. But then that matters not, for we shall always be with him. We desire nothing more. Do you worship Christ? Often we know who he is, but we don't see his glory on a moment-to-moment basis. Why? Because there's all these things that obstruct our view. We get upset. We get distracted. We get consumed with other things. We don't see him, right? Here's a picture of a guy at a college stadium game, and he had the worst seat in the house. Right? Boston College. Worst seat in the house. They put up a new scoreboard or whatever it is, and he sees nothing about what's going on in the field. That's what ruins your life. Right there is what ruins your life. There's an obstruction preventing you from seeing the glory of Christ. So what's blocking your view of God's greatness right now? What's obstructing your glorious understanding? Do you have a heavy heart? Do you have some problems coming up this year that you can't figure out? Was it a rough close to the year? What is it that's obstructing your view of who Jesus is and what he's done? Get it out of the way and look up and see who he is. When my son was younger, he went through a wrestling phase, and so wrestling was on TV at all times. We went to a few of those wrestling matches at like the Allstate Arena, wherever it was. Have you ever been to one of those You know, I mean, it is crazy. It's pure insanity, people shouting. And, uh, you know, I was, of course, grew up in the 80s. You know, I was born in the 70s, but grew up in the 80s. So I know all the wrestlers, okay? At the last Anchor Trivia Night, I really helped my team out when they threw a picture up there of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. They didn't know who he was. And I was like, I got this one, team, and we got the point. So I love wrestling when I was a kid, but when you're in an arena, a wrestling arena, and something truly exceptional happens, the entire stadium starts chanting, this is awesome, this is thousands, tens of thousands of people all chanting that at the same time because someone just got smashed through a table. Now, I don't know in your heart what it will take, but I want your heart to be chanting, God is awesome. God is awesome. God is awesome this year. And ask him to show you his glory. He will. Worship Christ through every high and low. Lauren and I watched Oppenheimer. Great movie. And a terrifying movie. 
because it's about the bomb. And so no one had, no one had ever seen an atomic explosion before. Never. No one. Not one person had ever seen one. It's one of the most powerful points in the movie is when they're all outside and they're about to set off the first one ever and nobody knows what to do. One guy, he's got glasses on. One guy, they've got these things they're holding up in front of their eyes. So one guy's putting on sunscreen on his face, right? Because they're about to see the biggest explosion that's ever happened on earth. And then it happens. Their faces glow. And the world was changed. God's glory outshines the sun. But we can fail to see it. You have to set your heart to worship Christ or you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the bright, burning glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it's not going to go out because you're not seeing it. It's going to burn brightly. Will you behold the glory of Christ this year? Well, there's some things that you can nail down to help ensure that you're going to worship Christ this year. If you want to behold the goodness and greatness of God, here's some decisions that you can make. Write this down. Decide now. Make these commitments now. Nail it down now. Right here today, you're going to commit to these things. They will help you to remove the obstructions from God's glory. Jot this down. Decide now to get to church every week. Decide now to get to church every week. Making worship a weekly habit is a decision you make right now. You don't wake up each Sunday, well, should we go to church today? You've already forgotten. You've already lost the battle. I call it the pillow fight. Because you wake up and boy, is it comfortable. It doesn't take much to keep people away from worship. If you make the decision now, 52 Sundays a year, I'm there. You will behold the glory of God. If you're sick, watch online. If you're out of town. And as an exception, sure, we have the online service. The technology is great. Sometimes that's what you need that week. But as a rule, try and get here. There's no substitute for being in a room full of people worshiping Christ, enjoying fellowship after. That should be the rule. And the exception, you know, we'll be online now and then. But make the commitment now to get to church every week. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, that's the day of the return of Christ, drawing near. So the further you go down the road of faith, the more you should want to be around God's people. Sadly, the opposite happens. The further people go down the road of faith, the more baggage they've got, the more hurt they are, the, the less they show up to church, the less they think they need, you know, sermons. Well, I've heard all this before. The less they think they need to be in a grub and in groups before. And their ears suddenly start shrinking, 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 and their hearts start shrinking, shrinking, and they've got less of what God has for them. Are you going to go for more? That starts when you commit to getting to church every week. 
And you will be the exception if you make this commitment. Because right now, Christians are dropping out of the church by the tens of thousands. Many just never came back after COVID. It became an option, then it became a nothing. Many Christians are just dropping out of church altogether. They're simply not going. Or once in a while they'll go. When it comes to you, are you going to be a weekly worshiper of Christ? Listen, I have to say this to Christians, including myself. If Christians continue the statistical decline of how many Christians are going to worship Christ, what is going to happen to the world for our children? What are we going to leave them? If as Christians we drop out of coming to church and singing our praise and growing in faith, what kind of a world are we going to leave our children if Christians are dropping out of worshiping together? We are going to damage our own souls and we are going to plunge our world into greater darkness because we're not even doing the basics. We have to go against the current. We have to wade into Christian community, and we have to stay. When Lauren and I went on a vacation several years ago with the kids to Silver Lake in Michigan, they're kind of famous for their dunes. Anybody been to Silver Lake before? The dunes, you do one of the dune tours, you go out there on the Jeep, and the, we went on a Jeep tour, and the guy who led the Jeep tour was really funny. He knew the area. And here's a picture from Silver Lake when we were in that area. These dunes are massive. And there's my daughter Cassie up there next to a sign, danger, avalanche terrain, stay away from Edge of Dune. And sadly, there are people who have lake houses uh, in Silver Lake, and the dunes have swallowed their lake houses. There are houses under that hill because the dunes moved. Houses. And the people on the edge who are sitting there are doing this huge campaign to truck away like some crazy high number of truckloads, like 2,000 truckloads of sand a year they got to get out to make sure their house doesn't get swallowed next. And when we were on this Jeep tour, we kept running into stumps, tree stumps in the dunes, and you can't hit them with your Jeep tires, or the tires will go flat. And the way it worked was this Jeep tour driver was in his Jeep, and then we were driving a Jeep behind him, and he went on the CB telling us the history, you know, and at one point, he said, you might be wondering why there are tree stumps all over in the dunes. And I was like, yeah, I am wondering that. He said, this used to be a forest. And the top layer of soil eroded away, and the dunes went on a rampage. Swallowed the forest, swallowed the houses. And then he said this, the grass holds the hills together. I was like, that's awesome. I want to write that down, but I was driving a Jeep, so I couldn't write it down. That picture is... Um, is us. So Christians, we are a preservation in our society. Okay, God has us here as salt and light, and the grass holds the hills together. And if that erodes away, the dunes take over, and depravity will swallow our entire world. Do you understand that? It's not just, do I get out of bed today and go to church? The grass holds the hills together. Do you want the world to have the preservation of a powerful, united Christian witness? Or do you want to see what happens when that goes away? I don't know about you, but I don't want to see that world. So every Sunday, get to church. Know the importance of it. Jot this down. Sing for joy with all your heart. 
Sing for joy with all your heart. Well, some weeks I don't feel it. Hey, I'm with you. Some weeks I don't feel it either. Here's a picture of the variety of moods that can happen on, a, on any morning. And maybe that's you. Maybe you show up on Sunday morning and you're like, everybody's singing and they're all happy and I don't even want to be here. That's fine. You know what I try and do? When I'm not feeling it, I try and sing louder. Make that your rule. Lord, I'm not feeling it today, but I'm going to sing louder. Sing for joy with all your heart. I love in 2 Samuel 6, 14 to 16, where David was leading the praise parade, the king leading the praise parade. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, that's his wife, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. (sighs) Hey, which are you? Are you leading the praise parade? Are you like, calm down over there. What are you so excited about anyway? I want to be leading the praise parade, even if I don't feel it. So get to church every week, sing for joy with all your heart, and jot this down, give first to the kingdom of God. Give first to the kingdom of God. Giving is an essential part of your worship. So pray about how you will worship Christ with your offerings this year. And in your bulletin, I mentioned this earlier, but just have a plan. Just just have a plan. If you have a plan, you'll give joyfully. If you have a plan, you'll love to support the ministries of the Lord. So whatever it is, have a plan. I read a book about D.L. Moody's life and what an inspiration he was. Huge impact in the city of Chicago. And one of the greatest moments in his ministry was he had helped to build this church in Chicago and he loved reaching Chicago. And then the Chicago fire happened. And the church that he helped to build burned to the ground. The whole thing burned to the ground. And insurance is only going to cover part of it. And so he got up and told people the kingdom work has to continue. People need Jesus. And this, is, this could be one of the greatest moments of revival in our city's history, which it was. He says, but we've got to build a new church. And here's, here's what he said. He loved this. He said, the entire amount needed to rebuild the church was given before the old church stopped burning. Isn't that awesome? If you give, you join the legion of believers who gave to build the church and reach the lost and train the next generation. So have a plan. Number one, worship Christ through every high and low. Behold the goodness and greatness of God. Decide now to get to church, sing for joy, and give first to the kingdom of God. Nail that down now, and it's going to be a great, great year. Number two, and it's only a two-point sermon, write this down. Walk with Christ alone and in community. So number one is to worship Christ. Number two is to walk with Christ alone and in community. Faith is like a walk, one step at a time. This is it, you just get one step. One day is one step. Each day is like one square of sidewalk poured. The concrete is poured one day. You just get one day, and then it hardens by the next day, and then you get to take one more step. Whatever nonsense was written in yesterday, it's all gone. You get a fresh one every day. You could only advance at one square a day. And so God wants you to move forward that's why it's a walk. You ever see the movie, What About Bob, with Bill Murray? Whoever saw the movie, What About Bob? Baby steps, baby stepping, baby stepping. It's just little by little. That's how you grow. It's not huge leaps and massive transformations. It's slow. It's like a tree. It's like a field. 
I'm glad that it's slow, even though sometimes I'm frustrated. I want to microwave God. But if God really gave me the full list of everything he still had to fix in me, I don't think I'd get out of bed tomorrow. It would probably take me all day to get through page one of all the things. I think the vast majority of my spiritual growth is still coming in the future. Sometimes people live like they've graduated. They're like grace grads. If you go into this year like that, oh, maybe God's got me one little tip to teach me. You know, maybe I'll get a fortune cookie one day with a little something. Watch out. When God wants to improve your life, he swings a wrecking ball through your front window. That's improvement. So be humble. Expect to walk forward. That implies change. So standing still is resistance of the Lord. Colossians 2.2 says he's praying that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. I love that picture of hearts being knit together. Walk with Christ alone and in community. Your heart being knit more tightly to the Lord and your heart being knit more tightly to the Lord's people, that's the walk with Christ. In here as a church, we are aspiring to become a holy, healthy, and humble spiritual community. It requires everybody, if we are going to become a holy, a healthy, and a humble spiritual community. We don't want to be haughty. We don't want to be worldly. We don't, we don't want to be ungodly. We want to be holy, healthy, and humble. So jot this down. Follow your shepherd every day. Follow your shepherd every day. Psalm 23 is written by a talking sheep. A sheep talking to other sheep about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The end. Oh, wait, is there more? Green pastures and still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how do we get there? I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who invited them? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Follow that shepherd. Follow that shepherd. Every day, he will lead us on. Follow your shepherd every day. Strive for a better relationship with Jesus this year. Not more Bible knowledge, not more Bible service, those are good, but they're nothing without you and the shepherd one-on-one -on -one, next step together with no other agenda. You and him, one-on-one -on -one alone, moving forward, that's where it all starts. Then that overflows into how you're helping others follow that shepherd. 
If your heart is filled to overflowing with the love of Christ, then your home will be filled to overflowing with the love of Christ. Then your church will be overflowing with the love of Christ. Then our city and state, Lord help us, and our country, even more in an election year, and our world will be overflowing with the love of Christ. It starts, point here. Come on. This is where it starts. The love of Christ controls us. Follow your shepherd every day. Here's a picture of a sheep, a little lamb. That's you. It doesn't matter your degrees. It doesn't matter your job. It doesn't matter where you've traveled. That's you. It's me. And we need a shepherd. So decide now. Here's some things you can nail down today. We did this with our worship. Now we're going to do it with our walk. If you nail some things down today, it's going to be a great year. Write this down. Decide now. Are you ready to be decisive? To, to make a commitment. Not to wake up every week wondering if these things are going to happen or not, but to decide it. Write down your spiritual growth plan. Go ahead and write that down. Write down your spiritual growth plan. We include in the bulletin each year this sheet, and this is your 2024 wellness goals. Go ahead and pull that out of your bulletin. We challenge you to set goals for your mind, your body, your heart, and your soul. Mind, the mind is going to grow what's planted there. So what are your goals? To cleanse and sharpen your mind this year. Books to read, podcasts to listen to. What about your body? How are you going to develop a healthy, strong, active lifestyle? What about your heart? How will you establish and maintain healthy relationships this year? And what about your soul? How are you going to grow spiritually? What's your Bible reading plan? Who's on your evangelism hit list? What's your prayer plan? If you need a prayer plan, last week I told you I'm starting this thing called Pray 52. So on Amazon, you can order blank decks of cards, 52 cards. And what I, what I did was I, I numbered them, and then I'm going to put one big prayer request a week. That's going to be my one for the week. Now, look, I'm not putting on here, bless my chicken nuggets for lunch, okay? That's an impossible prayer anyway. They're not going to get healthy, okay? But it, I mean, put something real on there, something that only God can do. And if you want to do this with me, I've got some of these. In fact, if you, if you want to do the Pray 52 challenge with me, I've got decks of cards. So come grab them right now. I'll just, I'll just throw them out to you. Here, who wants one? You want to do the Pray 52 challenge? Do you not have a prayer plan? Now you do. Wonderful. Who else wants one? Right out. You pray. And then so you have one main prayer of the week, but then you also shuffle through the deck. So the rest of them get prayed for. And, and then... <laughs> you jinxed yourself. Who wants what? A couple more. All right. right. Write down the big 52. Won't it be awesome then at the end of the year if we all like pull the cards? We're like, guess what God did with this one? You know? Who else wants one? I've got some, look, I'm saving you four bucks on Amazon. Okay? These are, these are four bucks on Amazon. And there you go, Rayanne. All right, cool. I got more. I got more. If you want them, come find me after the service. Have a prayer plan. Write down your spiritual growth plan. Are you going to read through the Bible this year? So I don't do this every year, but last year I read through the whole Bible. And confession, I got it done January 1st. I had a few extra chapters that I didn't get to New Year's Eve. But I got it done. So raise your hand if you read through the whole Bible last year. Raise your hand if you read through the whole Bible last year. You did it. I am encouraging you. Maybe you want to do that this year. Uh, it's not as hard as you think. 
you got to get through 100 chapters a month, 25 chapters a week. Uh, and if you get through 25 chapters a week, 100 a month, you'll, you'll hit the goal. That'll, that'll put you a little past the pace you need to be at. Go for it and write down your spiritual growth plan. So in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I love that picture of running to win. If you have a plan, you're running to win. Otherwise, you're wandering aimlessly. So have a plan. And then jot this down. Stay and resolve any lingering issues. So one of the best ways you can ensure it's going to be a good year is stay in your church family and resolve any issues that might be souring your spirit or hindering you in community. It's that time of the year where people think they need a new everything to be happy. A new city, a new job, a new diet, a new spouse, new kids maybe, a new pet, and yes, Maybe a new church is what's standing between me and happiness. It's a mistake to think that it's the externals, the things that are around us, that will ultimately change how we're feeling. We tend to blame the people and places around us for how we feel. But external change is very overrated. I would strongly encourage you as your pastor to just stay. Stay in the community you're in. And if there are any lingering issues souring your spirit, work it out. I've seen too many people this time of the year either drop out and wake up in March and, oh, time to get back to church, or just wander away for no good reason. Although when people leave a church, they usually make it sound more spiritual than it really is. Usually there's just something they could have and should have worked out that they didn't. If they go somewhere else, they usually only find, well, the same people and problems that are in any church, and the same them. And it could take them years to get settled again and to feel comfortable. Hey, one of the key things you can do this year is stay. Don't start over and resolve any lingering issues no matter what they are. James 3, 17 to 18 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I love those descriptions of what to do in community, especially if you've got some things that need to be resolved. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I remember Paul and Janet Pepich, who were here for 12 years in our church. You guys remember Paul and Janet Pepich? They moved, and that's, that's uh, why they're not here anymore. What a story. He showed up the first day. They had been hurt by their church. Their church went liberal with the doctrine. They no longer believed the Bible. They no longer believed Jesus was the only way, and they had been there for a long time. And so he came up to me the first Sunday, one of our first Sundays, if not the first Sunday that we had church back in 2009. And he had his arms crossed and he said, yep, we left our church of X number of years. They don't believe the Bible anymore. And he said, 
hurts a lot. He kind of had tears in his eyes. And I never forgot this. He pointed his finger out right in my chest and said, what makes me know that won't happen here? Right in my chest. And I knew he was a hurting guy. I knew he had tears in his eyes. And I said, look, Jesus is the Lord. We worship him here. I'm not perfect, but we're building a community on Christ. They stayed. They stayed for 13 years. And then in the end, when it was the time to move away, they came in. We met upstairs, and we had a great prayer at the end of their time here. We reflected on all God did, saved his son-in-law here, all the, the weddings, the baptisms. We reflected tears on how awesome it was because they stayed in one place for 13 years. I want that for you. What a great story. Put your roots down. Build friendships. Resolve conflict. Grow stronger. Become what the Bible calls an oak of righteousness, not a tumbleweed. So walk with Christ, alone and in community. Follow your shepherd every day. Decide now to write down your spiritual growth plan. Stay and resolve any lingering issues. And jot this down finally. Commit to attending a group. Commit to attending a group. In Acts 5.42, we learned that they set a great example in the early church. Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Commit to attending a group. The early church every day found some way to connect. Not every week, every day in the temple and house to house, they met together. Commit to getting into a group, Anchor Bible Institute, a women's small group, a men's Bible study, a couple's small group, whatever it is, get into a group, get connected, and it's going to be a great year. I'm going to invite the worship team up here as we close. But hey, number one, worship Christ through every high and low. Number two, walk with Christ alone and in community. If you commit to the big four in 2024, it's going to be an incredible year. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite him to bless us as only he can this year. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for another year. Oh Lord, by your grace, we live and move and have our being. So we consecrate ourselves and we ask you, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Yes, Lord, fill us with your spirit that we might worship you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength this year. That we might walk with you alone and in community, putting one foot in front of the other. Lord, may this be a wonderful year because you are exalted on high and you are moving in our midst. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song this morning.